Welcome to the Goddesses of Social Work podcast, hosted by Renita Ray Davis, licensed clinical social worker, board-approved social work clinical supervisor, and facilitator of the Goddesses of Social Work supervision community. Join us as we travel through the social work journeys told by the Goddesses of Social Work community members, past and present, as they make their way toward clinical licensure. Welcome to the Goddesses of Social Work podcast. In today's episode, Brittany Benjamin, LICSW, has graced us with her presence. Brittany Benjamin is a licensed independent clinical social worker who currently works with children ages 3 through 18, providing school-based therapy services. Brittany uses an eclectic array of modalities to treat children with mental health disorders, such as anxiety, depression, ADHD, mood disorders, and trauma. But her most utilized are child-centered play therapy, DBT, trauma-focused CBT, and Santray techniques. Welcome, Brittany. I am super excited to have you on the show today. Hey, Renita. It's been very, very exciting to be here and to see you again. Yay. Brittany, (laughs) reading your bio, it oozes with expertise in the clinical treatment of our children and adolescents. Where does the motivation come from to go out and obtain so much education and the certifications on how to offer our kids the best treatment possible? Um, I would say that I've always been one that likes to just have knowledge of all things. Um, so it's been a little bit of wanting to, one, make sense of the reasons why these modalities work to treat these certain things and why certain modalities speak to children and adolescents opposed to others. Um, So for me, if I can have the foundation of why first, then that helps me. But also, I've been very lucky enough to work in agencies that want clinicians and social workers, therapists, all the like to have this training. And so I haven't had to come out of pocket, thankfully. And I've utilized (laughs) those opportunities to definitely get the training. (laughs) Such a great answer. I love that. We were actually talking about that in our group last night. Um, One of our social workers, she's a school social worker. She gets to go to all the um, school social work Uh, conferences and they're always in different cities in our states and I love that that's one of the perks of us having to do the continuing education units is the part we get to travel yeah I love that Brittany I kind of put you on the spot just a little bit I heard you say and I love that part of your brilliant mind but heard you say the why of why a modality works and so I'm just curious because I don't have any expertise in sand tray therapy do you mind sharing why does sand tray therapy work? Um, so I actually just attended a sand tray training um, about two weeks ago. Um, and so in this training, the instructor actually had us practice being the client and the therapist. Um, so I can at least say on the client side, um, it's something about having the visual And then also speaking it that connects everything. So the, they use the neuroscience um, 
theory to kind of explain like how we have our left brain that holds all of the logic and information. And then we have our right side that holds all the creativity, the emotions. And so it's about, you know, kind of getting those enmeshed to really experience and process situations. So as a person that had to do it from the client side, it definitely like draws out that emotion, especially if it's hard for you to like tap into that at the time. So I think the neuroscience of it all is what kind of helps clients process situations. For you to be so new at learning it, you did such a great job of explaining it. I think I even heard the <laughs> word in my head, coherence. It's like getting the right brain and the left brain, left side to the brain to be in coherence. And isn't that what we're trying to do with our clients is to help them find balance within themselves. And the mind mm -hmm. is like one of the most important parts to do that in. That's really great. I'm so glad you had those opportunities. Brittany, tell me a little bit about your social work journey. Um, So my social work journey um, started off actually not in social work. I got my bachelor's in psychology. Um, I always knew I wanted to be a therapist, um, but I kept trying to make it work in um, like counseling programs. And those programs just did not speak to me. I could not ever get past the first semester. Because um, for me, it was like, okay, we're talking about these theories. The theories are good, but I wanted to know why it worked with people or why, like how people go about the world. Um, so when I got a job at the prison as a mental health technician, there was a social worker who was doing basic training with me. And he was like, you know, you can do therapy as a social worker, right? And I was like, I had no idea. Because of course, kind of like everybody else, I was ignorant to the fact that, you know, social workers don't just go into homes and take children out of their homes. Like one, that's the least thing that they're trying to do. Um, so when he told me that I went and I looked up programs um, and that's how I stumbled upon uh, Tulane's online program. So you went to Tulane University. I love it. Yes. So then you went through the online. You know, I don't think I've spoken about this yet or asked about this yet because it was before the pandemic that you got your MSW. So now the MSW online programs are a lot more. Um, there's a, a lot more opportunities to do your your social work degree online. I'm old school. I was at a brick and mortar. Talk to me about, you know, your experience getting uh, such a social degree in an online environment. And what do you think your the benefits of that were for you? Um, so their online program was actually one that I had never encountered before in which you had to still log in every week and go to class on Zoom. So it was still, to me, it felt like I was still in class. I needed that part where we talk and process all this information that we've read. And I enjoy sitting and processing it with my peers. So that 
aspect of it made me it helped me a lot get through um get through the program because I'm more of a I just need to process things out loud but it was it was actually very interesting because I still got like a lot of the um people who attended the program were still uh some of them lived in Louisiana some of them lived in New Orleans um, and then other people like me were living in other states. So we got to kind of take those experiences from other states and see how they apply even um, either similarly or differently um, within different uh, concepts that we would talk about within social work. So to me, that made it even more interesting. So I was like excited to log in the class. <laughs> I love that. You know, I was just in New Orleans last week. It's my favorite city. <laughs> and so to hear that you went to Tulane is is really fascinating. And I also, you know, when you did start, you're, you've been done with supervision and all that. In fact, you're a clinical social worker now, but we did supervision together. And we did it via Zoom. Um, you were used to having folks from all all around different areas and different uh, areas of expertise and places coming together, talking about their experience, um, their continued journey on social work through supervision. So it felt like home to you, I'm sure. Oh, it did. It very yeah. much did. <laughs> yeah. So you went and I love that um, one, again, it was a male social worker who said, you know, you could do counseling. And then that got you in touch with the MSW program at Tulane University. And, and you got your, your graduate degree. What was next on your journey? Um, So from, like I had kind of mentioned before, I knew I always wanted to do therapy. So I was going to, you know, quickly go the route of how going about getting my clinical license. So of course I had to take my uh, test for my LMSW. Once I passed that, I was working or I started working as a school-based therapist. Um, so from there, I've just stayed working with kids um, up until I got my clinical license. Um, and I'm pretty sure that I found like my home working with kids and adolescents. Did you know that? Did you know what population you wanted to work in? Or was it from just having this experience that you felt like you found home? Um, I knew starting therapy that I was not doing therapy with kids. <laughs> and then it turned out <laughs> that that is actually the population that I find the most joy in working with. Um, I enjoy, I've enjoyed all the populations, but it just feels like home when I'm working with kids and adolescents. It doesn't feel like work. It feels like this is what I'm naturally doing every day. Why do you think working with kids is so impactful? What do you think the importance of the work that you do is? Um, I believe the importance of it is one is kind of like targeting a, a problem or an issue right at the source. Um, when I worked in the prison, I was working with um, older men and every single time those men would talk about where life kind of 
went astray for them, it was always in this like childhood time, child adolescent uh, time. And so for me, I'm like, okay, I if I really want to make a difference, then I want to get to the problem before they end up in prison. I don't want to see Black people in prison. Um, so I'm going to start where it all began and see what can I do here to make it where we can put the interventions in place so that way they're not even going anywhere near the criminal justice system. Yeah, that what is it called? The um, preschool to prison pipeline yes. that we yes. talked a lot about in, in previous years. You feel like the work that you're doing kind of closes that or, or cuts that pipe. Yes. <laughs> off. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it cuts it off. You know, you talked a lot about knowing the why. When I asked you about why, you know, you go out and get so much education and certifications to be an expert in this particular area of social work. And then you talked about, you know, needing to know why and some other, I, I wrote the word down curiosity, right? And then so now that your population is kids and adolescents, how do you think your natural tendency to be curious is helpful or impactful in the work that you do with kids? Um, well, one, my clients would probably say um, I'm nosy and I'm <laughs> curious, but I tell them, yeah, I am nosy because I want to know about you. And I think that takes them aback initially. They're like, this person actually wants to know about me and my interests and my opinions, because unfortunately, in society, kids are not given a voice to speak their feelings or emotions, and they very much have them like every other human person does. Um, and so I like the fact that me being curious about them gives them the space to be themselves, to express their feelings, to explore their feelings, to identify their feelings. Um, and so it just kind of helps them like identify who they are, especially at a point in time where, um, especially with adolescents, they're at a point where they're kind of understanding like, hey, like my household doesn't quite look the same as everyone else's. And maybe I don't quite have the same values and morals as my parents. Where does that put me? So I like that I give them the stage to explore that. Such a great answer. Such a great answer. Yes, you made a point that kids are human people too. <laughs> Yesterday, one of my other social workers said the exact same thing that I think that you know, she said that she thinks that people forget that kids are people too. I would love just for a minute or so if you can explore that concept a little or remind us all, especially social workers listening to this, who... Um, are you thinking about working with kids or are working with kids? Just let's explore the concept that kids are people too. Oh, yeah. Um, I think we're just used to, especially depending on where you grew up, um, you know, some people are raised that kids are to be seen, not heard. Um, and then not even realizing like themselves how that's affected them as an adult. 
Um, and I think when we think about one, the client's right to self-determination, we have to trust that even at, you know, some developmental level that children know what they need and what they want. And it's just a matter of being curious enough to figure out what it is that they need or want. What are they trying to convey their needs or wants are? Um, and then also helping them practice, you know, assertive communication. Everyone talks about boundaries and it's even now that I'm going to therapy that I'm seeing like how the way I was raised has hindered me from developing good assertive communication and boundaries. Um, so it starts at home. Um, and so if we're coming in as clinicians, as social workers to help this, uh, to help the child, then we have to help them practice having that assertive communication by allowing them to tell us what their needs and their wants are within, of course, you know, the developmental <laughs> range, but giving, even if they're not conveying it the right way, then we help them with the words to be able to properly convey what they need. Um, but I think keeping in mind that the right to self-determination for it, that goes for any client, no matter what age they are. Honey, you were speaking my love language, NASW Code of Ethics. <laughs> uh, such great answers. But I've got to interview so many amazing social workers. You are one of few that has already gone through the process of uh, getting your clinical license. You are Brittany Benjamin, LICSW. And so because we are talking about, yeah, let's celebrate always. We are talking about our social work journeys, and this is a platform for people to tell their parts of their social work journey. I would love for you to talk about your clinical licensure portion of your social work journey and start wherever you want to. Okay. Um, well, I'll start with one, like finding a supervisor um, so I was blessed enough to find a great supervisor, but, um, I think what I, I like that initially, like when we first met that it wasn't just about, you know, me seeing if I was a fit for you, but for you to see if I was, if you were a fit for me, if we were going to mesh. Um, so I really appreciate, um, the time that you took in doing that. And I feel like that's something that all supervisors should do to make sure that, you know, you want to make sure that you're speaking to the right people that are your people. Um, and then going through, um, you know, showing up for an hour, four times a month. Um, that was, for me, the part that I looked forward to every week because I could talk to other social workers about um, an issue that I was having and they could give me their input. And no matter what job that we were in, everyone could always kind of like draw, you know, advice from and suggestions from everybody. Um, but once I was finished with that, I start, I took a little bit of time and I studied for my clinical uh, exam the same way I did for my master's. Um, 
I did a practice exam and tried to score within a certain range, uh, according to like the book. Um, and then went in and took the test and passed it, thankfully. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was, I think the test, there's definitely a difference, I would say, as far as um, one is more dealing with like, do you know the like, steps like through and through like assessment and everything um I would say the master's one was more I felt more recall questions um so I would say pay attention to those two things when um studying uh, for either exam but thankfully um I passed the test on the first try and um I'm looking forward to really just being able to have more opportunity to one like be my own agency <laughs> so yeah I'm looking forward to that what a perfect segue but before I segue congratulations on passing on the first try I know that so many people have struggled but I also love to celebrate people who've been able to pass it on the first try as well because that tells the rest of us it is possible mm -hmm. <laughs> It is possible to be able to do that. And uh, congratulations and kudos to you. Thank you. As we segue into the second part of that, like, okay, now you're Brittany Benjamin LICSW. What plans do you have going forward on your social work journey? Um, I definitely want to continue working with children and adolescents. Um, I want to go into private practice um, and more so my target would be like working with black families um i just that's just where i'm drawn to um and i've and also like supporting those that just don't have the means to um one be educated in like mental health um, and then also having access to those services. Um, I've seen a lot of kids do really, really well with play therapy. So play therapy is one that I'm still going to continue to um, receive like further education in. I don't know if I'm going to pursue like the registered play therapy um, credentials, but that might be a thing. But I want to continue with that and then also um, with like trauma, continuing education with trauma services and um, different modalities for that can help treat trauma. Um, but for right now, that's kind of where I'm at. That's a perfect place to be. I love it. And I love that your focus. And I don't think you should ever be afraid to say that. I think sometimes, you know, when we want to zone in on a certain ethnicity or race we kind of get a little nervous and like well I really kind of want to focus on black families but we need folks who look like us doing this work and being accessible and so say it loud say it from the rooftops <laughs> I am going <laughs> to work with black families who need mental health services that's what we're doing yeah. and that's, you're going to do it well and they'll and those families are going to be really really uh, blessed to have have gotten you as a clinician thank you yeah 
Brittany, who was your most, who was either your favorite social work instructor or your most impactful social work mentor? This question was a little hard for me just because I feel like I gained something from everybody. But in lieu of um, my grandmother actually passed away at the end of September and at her, while they were giving her eulogy, um, it, everybody said the same thing. You encounter anybody in the town of Headland, Alabama, they're going to say the same thing about my grandmother. And that was that she loved to serve and she served her community. I feel like she's the reason why social work spoke to me and that is just like in me innately. Um, she did a lot with um, caring for kids and other children. Um, she would go sit with those who were on their deathbeds and, you know, sing and pray with them until they passed. She was, she was doing the grassroots social work. And that to me just speaks a lot. It, it really puts in perspective to me, like where I get this from like where this innate sense to do for my community comes from and so I would say that she's definitely one that I look up to oh my goodness Brittany what a beautiful answer what is your grandmother's name let's say her name her name is Rosie Mae Reeves <laughs> thank you Rosie Mae Reeves oh such yes. a beautiful answer you know I um I often say my mother was, is still alive. <laughs> my mother is a social worker without the letters behind her name. She raised, she raised a whole family of social workers. So to hear that is just, that was so beautiful. Thank you, Rosemary Reeves. That was gorgeous. Brittany. Thank you. On your social work journey, you are now, I keep saying, because I love saying it. I was part of this journey and I <laughs> just love being able to say you are Brittany Benjamin, L-I-C-S-W. And I want people, you know, I think I'm saying that because you you know, and some of the others know, I we write our names with the letters behind our names before we even get them, right? And then when we get them, we're celebrating them as often as many times as we can. But on this social work journey, what are three things that you would take with you? You know, if you were talking to, you know, young Brittany Benjamin before the, all the letters, what would you say, Brittany, take this with you on your social work journey? I would say grace, lots and lots of grace <laughs> um, for times where, especially if you're type A perfectionist like me, like, one that's just not like humans are not robots they're you can't just you know guess every person's single move so just grace in the fact that you're not going to know it all but you're not meant to know it all you're just meant to be curious um and I would say a journal slash therapist because I feel like there, when you're working with people, you never know when you'll encounter that person that might bring up something that either you've been running from all your life or you just like dismissed just to 
make sure that you're like covering your bases. And so I say slash journal because when therapists aren't, they ain't cheap. But journaling, I think, <laughs> I think journaling and just processing as well, like things from childhood up until, you know, current is good as well too. Um, so definitely journaling and processing the things that you've gone through, maybe things that might come up, even if you're doing your social work, uh, you're in social work for, uh, or in grad school, sorry, for your social work degree, like seeing what comes up for you, reflecting on some of the conversations or the concepts that may speak to you or that you have a hard time with seeing where that comes from, being curious about yourself first before you're going off and being curious about other people. Um, and the last thing, boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> Some good old boundaries. Learn it, practice it, live by it, breathe it <laughs> all day, every day. And then you should keep the burnout away. <laughs> Let, let's say this. Maybe we should even make some merchandise for it. a boundary a day keeps the burnout away. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to make some merchandise. A boundary a day keeps the burnout away. I completely agree with you. Oh, Brittany, those were such great answers. I took some notes. I know you said journal slash therapist but I gotta say a journal and a therapist yeah. I, don't, <laughs> I have both I do both I journal every single day and even if I don't because especially when you get a long-term therapist you may not see them weekly and or even monthly you could just do quarterly check-ins right and so I know it does get expensive but even if you just go you know especially once you've had one that you're established with once every three or four months have a freaking therapist y'all yeah. my, my folks can't even come to me unless they have liability insurance and a therapist <laughs> those are the prerequisites to even be in my experience <laughs> so a journal and a therapist right I love that I love that so much and just piggybacking a little bit more on that you can only take your client as far as you're willing to go so if you're unwilling to sit on the other side of the table, how do you expect your clients to be willing to sit comfortably on the other side of that table, right? Okay. So, you know, you can only take your clients as far as you want to go. So get you a journal if we're going to encourage our clients, because I think what also diminishes burnout is when we are telling our clients to do this and do that journal, go work out, you know. Do do the things that we tell them as homework assignments, but we are unwilling to do them ourselves. So if you're not journaling and you're talking to your clients about journaling, you don't know what that experience is like, right? And you're just right. as human as they are. So journal. I journal every single morning. I really do. And then I love that you said and have a therapist. And again, a boundary a day keeps the burnout away. <laughs> I love that. Brittany, what, what's something, just give me one thing, like, okay, you know, I'll just leave this behind, you know, a belief, an idea about social work that you're going to go ahead and just leave behind on your social work journey. Mm, I think one that I'll have to leave behind is that I could save everybody. 
as much as I want to, I, I will not be able. There are systems that work against me <laughs> and I cannot save everybody. That's a great answer. You know, I'm going to say it. You are not Captain Sabaho. <laughs> <laughs> put that cape up, put that cape away. And you know the you know who we're saving in this lifetime? We've got to save ourselves. And as long as you're doing that work, which goes back to your previous answer, get you a journal and a therapist and boundaries. And as long as we're doing that work, then we're going to help some folk. We may not save them, but we got to save ourselves. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, great, great answer, Brittany. We're we're coming to, towards the end of our time together. And so I had one last question. And, you know, we were talking before we, we hit the record button, you know, one of our favorite, beautiful uh, ancestors <laughs> is Dr. Maya Angelou. And I, I know that one of your favorite quotes by the brilliant and beautiful Dr. Maya Angelou is, try to be a rainbow in someone else's cloud. As we end our time together today, Brittany, in what ways can you encourage our audience listening to be a rainbow in someone else's cloud? Um, I think that being a rainbow in someone's cloud can look as small as just smiling back at somebody. Um, it could be someone's having a bad day and you're at the grocery store and they just want to tell you all about it and just listening and not even that you have to necessarily offer advice back but just listening and saying like I feel you like I understand that sometimes people really feel like they are experiencing things uniquely and nobody else is going through it so just to know like someone understands what they're going through I think that's enough to like put a put someone at ease for a little bit. Such a good answer. And I'm going to piggyback on that one too. Not even at the grocery store or the Dollar General, <laughs> but even just, even with our clients, sometimes I think as social workers, we think, you know, some when I hear clients who are like, oh, I don't want to do therapy or social workers who don't want to do therapy um, because they think they're supposed to be the expert at something. You know, I'm going to need to know what to say to the client. I think, Oftentimes, our job is just listening. It's probably the first time that client has an opportunity to share their part of the story, their story, or whatever's going with them on with them during that day. And so I love that you said just listening. And I want to encourage the social workers and our helping other helping professionals out there. Sometimes all we got to do is listen. You don't have to be an expert, just be an expert in listening, right? Yeah. Thank y'all for listening to Brittany Benjamin, LICSW today. Wasn't she great? Brittany, you did such a good job. How, Thank you. Yeah, it was good. And I hope that you'll come back next year. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Goddesses of Social Work podcast. We are glad you were here. If you liked this episode, please come back to hear more stories of the journeys through social work and please leave us a review on Apple or Spotify. See you next time here on the Goddesses of Social Work podcast.